Inside the Healing Room with Evangeline Hemrick. All right. I am so blessed to have my friend Kimber Kaliana, founder and co-owner of Kaliana Center of Consciousness in Crestone, Colorado. He is a yoga teacher, meditation teacher, author, and so much more that I want to talk about, but we'll start with those with those <laughs> topics. But um, we've known each other for a while, and I've really been wanting to have you on the show. So thank you for being here, Kemper. I feel equally, if not more, blessed to be here with you as well, my friend. Thank you so very much. What a journey you've been on, and I love hearing people's healing stories and what has brought them to this place of being of service to humanity, and you are really bringing it. You're being of service to humanity in all kinds of ways. Um, You have books, and you have online courses, and all kinds of ways that people can benefit and learn and grow with you. And I just want to start with your healing story. Like, Can you tell us a little bit about this amazing journey you've been on? I've been privileged to witness some parts of it. Yes, and I've been privileged to have you along as a very integral part of my healing journey. So thank you for that. And I'm just so grateful to be connected in this way across time and space and after all these years as well. And uh, as you said, I have kind of known since I was a kid, kid and or teenager, depending on where you count from, that I would be called and have been called and am so very willing to serve humanity in whatever way that unfolded for me. And I've just now kind of in the past few years brought it all together into kind of my own package to offer that's not just kind of a repeat of another lineage or mimicking another teacher or another style of yoga or meditation. It's kind of finally my own integration of all that I've learned and been taught. But yeah, when I was a child, when I was seven, I had kind of my first mystical experience that I'm still unpacking and trying to even figure out, not just intellectually, but embodiedly, energetically, emotionally, what it even was. And I still don't entirely know what it was. And they never know what it was, and that's totally fine. But it certainly woke something up in me that has continued to this day. One way of saying it is that I believe it awakened or sparked the fire to pick back up where I left off last life you might say, in kind of an understanding of God or spirit in many different ways and kind of had a burning desire first in me at at a young age, which is rare for any age, but definitely rare for a seven-year-old to be so kind of obsessed with God and spiritual things as I was. But at the same time, alongside of that, because my seven-year-old body-mind psyche was not quite equipped or ready to handle the high vibe download that I received from wherever I received it. I also developed a mental disorder, uh, obsessive compulsive to be specific and was heavily medicated for 
many, many, many years. Um, along the way, also experienced intense addiction in various ways uh, and just kind of a distortion through religion and through improper training and cultivation of this energy that I had been given or that had awakened in me. And that's really what began my interest in healing arts and more kind of Eastern philosophy and modalities because alongside the deep knowing and longing and connection with God, with source, specifically in a very contemplative Christian way, um, I had these very kind of twisted and malnourished and underdeveloped addictions and mental illnesses that I'm proud to say have now been fully healed after a lot, a lot, a lot of hard work. So uh, what I teach is really nothing other than what I have experienced and what I have learned over the years in my own healing journey and just dropping breadcrumbs for other people to hopefully experience. Uh, what I've experienced in that way as well. I love hearing you talk about mental illness and addiction in such a healthy, whole, all-encompassing way. Like you can hear your self-love and acceptance of what is, and that's so needed in our world today. And when you met me, you were going to a chiropractor where they referred me to you for Mm -hmm. some things that were going on physically, neurologically. And that's something yeah. that I think is a big deal right now too. When we, t- when we first talked on the phone, you remember that? I said, sounds like ascension symptoms to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yes. And I remember the first time we talked on the phone, you were, I think, driving in your car on your way home from work and you were able to just return my call and squeeze in a few minutes uh, and I remember kind of just an instant connection and, and uh, I guess the word might be comfort or at least just trust because along the way of working with different healers and practitioners and body workers and that sort of thing, because very humbly I say that when I would meet a certain one and I could tell that I already knew more than they did mm-hmm. or that they couldn't quite hang with even the level that I was at, it just was never a good fit. And I would move on very quickly from them. They really you know, didn't have anything to offer me, so to speak. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with them at all, but we just weren't on the same wavelength. And so there was an instant connection with you. And one thing that I asked you to kind of vet you out <laughs> a little bit to see if you were on my same <laughs> level was uh, I said, I'm experiencing some things that I think might be what's called Kundalini. Have you ever heard of this thing called Kundalini? And you're like, uh, yeah, I kind of know a thing or two about <laughs> Kundalini. And then you actually went into the word ascension, which I had never heard. So the concepts of Kundalini, which I had already known from my yoga world, definitely dovetailed perfectly with your understanding of ascension and the two are very complementary those those two words and the two understandings of what each of those means and so I knew that I was in the right hands and that very much started our friendship our student teacher relationship and our you know client therapist relationship as well and we juggled and balanced those three roles 
very beautifully um, and has, you know, continued today to an amazing soul connection, soul sibling kind of friendship, uh, which is amazing. But it was also in 2012, which was amping up collectively for the end of the mind calendar and those kind of things that I knew a little bit about, but I didn't know that so many people on the planet were having similar kind of experiences as me. I had already come off of medication, so it wasn't connected to that. I was already very adept in meditation and yoga and spiritual inquiry, but energetically, that component I had not quite honed or cultivated yet, which is what you really brought to the table for me. I was having kind of dizzy spells or these kind of hot flash rushes through my body, blackouts just for a few seconds, just in the middle of my day kind of thing. And actually, the chiropractor that you're talking about that uh, we both know didn't specifically refer me to you. I saw your postcard at the checkout counter there. And oh. it's just something, something drew my attention to the postcard. I don't know if it said energy healer or body worker, however you were kind of promoting your services through that postcard. And there was just something about it where I just took it off the counter there and called you kind of either that night or the next day right away. There was just, there was just a knowing that in a deep way, either of our consciousness minds that we were supposed to work together. And I'm sure you're seeing that a lot with the people that now work with you, that you just find your way to the people that you're meant to do this this level of of healing with and how all I've been curious about this like now that you have just expanded and you have grown so much how all do people work with you now <laughs> That's a great question So Kaliana is mine and my wife's last name but it's neither of our family names when we got married, and Christy is my wife's name, by the way, you know that, but for the audience, just so you guys know, when I say Christy, that's my wife. Uh, when we got married, neither of us really resonated with our family lineage, uh, and neither of us resonated with the current kind of accepted options of her taking my name, or me taking her name, or hyphenating, or each keeping our own names. So we decided to come up with our own names. And I won't go into all the details right now, but Kaliana is a mashup of Kali and Ana. So Kali representing what the Vedas talk about, the age or the cycle that we're in right now called the Kali Yuga, otherwise known as basically the Dark Ages before it gets good again, if you will. And Ana in Greek means grace, even our English name Anna means or has its roots in the word grace. So Kaliana means something like grace in the dark times. And obviously, even if you don't know about the Kali Yuga, it doesn't take much for everybody to know that we're in dark times right now. And so that's something that we represent in our relationship, something that we want to bring as service to humanity and the people that we work with. Uh, individually and together because we do also work with people together as well. But this name, Kaliana, itself carries kind of a 
vibration that's stronger and more magnetic and larger than either of us ever knew or intended. So it actually has a way of working with us and working on us in a way that we didn't intend at all. And so we have come to say that it's, there's, there's something that we call the Kalyana field. There's just this field that we are kind of the gatekeepers of or kind of the stewards of. And we believe that it's some kind of rebirth of an ancient lineage that we were both a part of. So a lot of people will ask, what lineage are you teaching? Is it Buddhist? Is it Christian? Is it this? Is it that? As though claiming a lineage makes you more reputable or something like that. And of course, sometimes it does, but I never uh, have an easy answer for that at all. I am not teaching a specific lineage. It's also not just something that I'm making up. It's kind of uh, an integration and a culmination of many different teachers, many different styles, many different lifetimes of doing this work that was reawakened in me at age seven that I'm bringing together and then now adding my own thing specific to what people need right now in the Kali Yuga. So what we've noticed is people are very mysteriously, but also definitely on purpose drawn into our life, whether it's like personally meeting us through a friend of a friend kind of thing or seeing our sign for the yoga studio here in Crestone or finding us online in some kind of way. And what I've noticed is a lot of the people that I'm working with have already done a certain amount of spiritual work, but they've come to kind of a precipice where they're kind of stuck in their current spot or they've kind of graduated through many different teachers and many different styles and many different levels of healing, and they're ready to take it to the next level. So one way that I describe what I do and what I teach is that it's kind of for those who are tired of the religious kind of dogmatic way of approaching things and also maybe a little disillusioned by the kind of surface level new agey woo woo stuff that simply doesn't work. Of course, there are a lot of new age teachers that do teach things that work, but also there's a lot of fluff in that world as well. So on the one hand, the dogmatic approach doesn't work because it's just about guilt and behaving differently and believing differently. And then on the other hand, the new age fluff is kind of very superstitious and you think if you just go to a kirtan or to a ceremony or put a dot on your head or have a buddha statue on yourself then something or, or wear mala beads around your neck then it's gonna magically make everything better and people are realizing neither of those work so i offer very practical practices of yoga and meditation that actually produce results of healing uh, mind, body, spirit, um, as well as true enlightenment, which just means something like awakening to your true self and finding a kind of union with the source of all things and with the world.
And so that's kind of what it looks like in a, in a broad brushstroke, but specifically it's through the practice of yoga and meditation and the way that I have been able to marry and merge and integrate many different philosophies plus my own intuition and the reawakening of this Kalyana field that I still don't entirely know what it's all about. I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that feeling of like, I don't want the dogma. I don't want the fluff. Yeah. Something that's yeah. practical, something that actually works. Because a lot of people know that they want to be meditating. They know that they need that in their lives. But for someone to yeah. give them just easy to implement strategies that takes it out of just being so lofty and unattainable, you know, I love that. And I also love yeah. your inclusive love for God. I've always really related to that myself because even though we, we grew to be more than our religious upbringing, both of us could always like still appreciate that which was beautiful and yeah. pure, you know, in scripture and in Christianity in general. And I would just love for you to speak to that journey that you've been on where you thought you were going to be a priest at one point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, well, I'll say first that it's certainly no accident that I was born into a Christian country, more or less, a Christian South Bible Belt and a Christian family. If I were born into another religious milieu, then who knows what I would have developed into. So this was very specific and intentional, and I have grown to very much appreciate and understand and resonate with every single authentic spiritual path. While on the one hand, I don't like to just say very nonchalantly like a lot of people do, oh, well, all, all the religions are just saying the same thing, because they're really not. There's very many different levels of each of the religions, and the levels are kind of speaking similar vibrations of each other. And in the deepest way, I feel like they are kind of saying the same thing, which is, here's how suffering comes to be, and there's a way out of suffering. There's a way to be healed of whatever it is healed of separation, healed of illness, healed of suffering. And there's a way to connect truly with yourself, with other people, with the world, and with God in a way that's truly liberating and joy-filled. But each of the religions are saying how to get to that place in a different way. And the what I like to call original seers or founders of the religion are saying it in a different way with a, with slightly different language, symbolism, images based on where they were raised, when they were raised, and their own cultural context. However, I do very strongly, very unapologetically have as my kind of number one source of inspiration, my relationship and connection with Jesus that I was taught as a child and took 
actually very seriously. Again, without sounding overly confident or arrogant or something like that, I really do, in fact, feel like I know him or even knew him in a past life as an Essene or a Gnostic Christian from back in the first century or something like that. There's just a deep resonance that definitely was assisted by being raised in a Christian context, but is far, far, far beyond that very much. So even having grown out of my religious upbringing, that has remained even deeper today than ever. And so when I had my experience at age seven, because of the nature of it, and because then I started showing signs, if you will, that my mentors, my parents, my pastor, and by the way, I was raised Southern Baptist. So those people started to take note of my rare and interesting desire for or obsession with God and spiritual things. And I would spend hours in my pastor's office as like a 10 year old, just (laughs) talking and asking questions. And uh, I remember he looked at me one day and was like, Kemper, I don't know why anybody would want to talk about anything else, you know, and he was actually, I could tell that he, I think he was maybe probably in his 50s at that time, you know, was actually enjoying his time talking to this, you know, 10 year old that was showing interest beyond what a lot of his adult parishioners were showing, you know. Um, And so I was kind of put in the pipeline, if you will to be a preacher. So it's like when you're in that, it's kind of like walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. (laughs) It's going to be a duck. I was showing symptoms and signs and giving the signals that in that world were interpreted as, oh, well, he's going to be a preacher one day. And so I went to college for that. I preached sermons in high school, in youth group traveled around giving messages and giving talks as a teenager, went to college, majored in religious studies, and was kind of planning to go to seminary next and just be a good old-fashioned Southern Baptist preacher. <laughs> and then the, the with, this is far beyond the scope of this conversation and in the few minutes that we have left, but you mentioned priests. I also had a journey into the Catholic world later on and tried to become a monk, Catholic monk, a few times, which ended up, you know, very fortunately and synchronistically not working out because then obviously I wouldn't have met my beloved wife. But anyway, there was a time before my worldview expanded beyond the fundamentalist kind of Christian world that I was raised in. That, yeah, I thought I was going to be a a Southern Baptist preacher. And that's simply because, uh, I do, as you said, have, and it's still like one of the things that can make me cry at the drop of a hat. Some of my favorite music to listen to is Christian worship music. Because even though I've outgrown some of that language and some of that, the way people that are still in that world understand it, um, it's very true and it's very pure and it's very, it's a conduit to reestablish that connection with God as a source of all things, God as uh, an other presence that you can connect with and relate with, and especially the person, Jesus, um, whoever he was, 
has a very, very, very sacred and special place in my life, in my heart, still to this day. So I actually joke sometimes that I've kind of ended up being a pastor after all, because <laughs> all of the, the internships and training and schooling that I did to, you know, to learn in that pipeline that I was put in, uh, I use all the time in my relating with students and working with clients and leading group discussion and leading retreats and that kind of thing. So it, it was not all, it was not all for nothing. Definitely not. It was part of the path. And I've been so fortunate to get to observe you finding your way. And I think that's so important for other people to hear because the kind of people who are drawn to listen to what I do and the people that I promote and share these are the kind of people that are healers at heart and they might not know yet how to be in their purpose work or what their service to humanity is, but they know yeah. in their heart, yeah. they know that they're here to do that. And how beautiful your journey has been. It's like, was it ministry? Yep. Was it yoga? Yeah. Yep. Was it healing? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Like all those doors that you opened are now starting to just all come together just in the most integrated way. And what words of wisdom would you would you give to somebody out there that just is just so hungry for God? You know, like they're looking and they're searching like you did and opening those doors and going, what is my purpose? Like, how am I here to, to help humanity? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is a direct quote from my all-time favorite author, Frederick Beekner. Beekner is spelled not how it sounds, B-U-E-C-H-N-E-R, Frederick Beekner. He, I could go on talking about him and his influence in my life, but I won't. I'll just say what the quote is for now. He says that your vocation or your calling is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Oh, I love that. So that has been something that I've carried in my knapsack pretty much since I read it probably 15 or 20 years ago now. Your calling is where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And for me, I have always had such a trust and connection with God. I actually, though I've worked through some wounding, you know, given to me by religion, my connection with God was never tainted by that. I've never been like afraid of God or like I'm going to be punished by God. I've always had a very loving and trusting surrender that God, and of course my understanding of who and what God even is, is ongoing and evolving and changing all the time. But still, that essence is there. As I grow, that relationship grows. As I get bigger, then my experience of God grows as well. But as a teenager, there have been very pivotal moments in my life that have shaped, you know, what I'm doing now. And the, the first one was when I was age seven. The second one was, I think I was 15 at church camp one summer. And something inspired me to pray something that, again, most adults don't even pray, much less a 15-year-old, that I told God that I would go wherever he 
And now my understanding of even calling God he has changed, but still it's, you know, it's comfortable enough just colloquially to say that. So everybody can understand in context, God is he and she and all of it and everything beyond and et cetera. But at the time I prayed to God that I would go wherever he called me to go, do whatever he called me to do. I then also prayed that he would break me down and rebuild me the way he wanted. And thirdly, I prayed that God would teach me to love. At that time, I said, teach me to love your people, God. And I didn't even know exactly what that meant. Obviously, all people are God's people. But each of those prayers were set in motion, you know, and they come from a place deeper than me. They were not selfish prayers to get something for myself. Uh, they were very altruistic and the self-transcending prayers that I was given to pray and then work out the unfolding of them. So if someone is truly, truly, truly interested, and even the word interested, it's like this is not something you're interested in. It's just something you do or you don't do. Or do you want to be available to serve humanity in whatever way you are called to without any we have a lot of people that like want it to be a certain way. I want to be a healer. I want to be a therapist. I want to be a coach. I want it to look like this. But I'm sorry, God doesn't always work that way. Right. Um, if you if you use as your formula, like what is my deep gladness? Like what makes me glad? And how can I offer that at the intersection point of the world's hunger in these dark times? then yeah, you might can kind of get a sense for how to take that first step. But I would say even before that, just faith. If you're genuinely, if you genuinely trust that God has your best interest at heart, then just pray to be you. Pray and let God know you are available. And that is the highest prayer, I think, that anybody should pray. And of all the other prayers that people are praying these days, uh, I think that one will go to the top of the list <laughs> um, to be heard and answered by God because it's not something that you're wanting to get. It's something that you're wanting to give. And obviously you get a whole heck of a lot out of it through the transformative process of serving in that way and just showing up as you're called to regardless of what it looks like. And since I've been with you through some of your spiritual journey. I want to know if my observation is correct or not. Like from the inside, you can you can confirm or tell me no, it hasn't been like that. I have okay. seen you try lots of different things and go different places and you know you were I got to go to Chicago, you know, this is the next step for me. Okay, yep. I got to go to Colorado now. I'm following mm-hmm. this guidance and this is this is the next step. It seems yeah. like you had piece about that of not having all the pieces and not knowing how it all was gonna gonna fit together was that true yeah absolutely um i've never been afraid that i'm not going to be taken care of i've never been you know kind of on shaky ground that i'm not trusting that where the and and this is part of what i teach also is how to get in touch with your true intuition, your true inner impulse, your true like navigatory compass. 
for how to move through your life so that it's not coming from an egoic or shadow place and it's not just kind of caution to the wind, do whatever I want. A lot of times people claim they're in touch with their intuition, but upon <laughs> further investigation, it's clearly the ego running the show. So a lot of deconstruction and clearing out has to happen to really get in touch with listening to your guidance, your personal, unique, customized guidance from God. And I have been able to do that. And every time I feel, okay, now's the time to move to this other place or this other state or to quit this job, I don't promote that you just quit your job. But God says to do it, you got to do it and you got to trust and know. But at the same time, you have to weed through first, is this really God calling me to do this or am I just being irresponsible and not wanting to have the current job that I have or whatever? So yes, I did a lot of moving around, but each one came from this inner sense of on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And without each of those points, each of those steps, each of those moves, I would not have arrived where I am today. And personally, I'm happier, more fulfilled today than I've ever been. And also feel more established, even though that's not even the goal, in my professional life in what I'm what I'm offering other people because that could end tomorrow as well. You have to be willing to let that go too. So I'm not even attached to that looking a certain way, getting a crowd of followers or being world famous speakers or anything like that. Um, but yes, you're 100% correct. There was absolute peace and clarity and knowing even as I walked into the unknown darkness, not knowing what was next, but knowing that I was held and guided every step of the way for some purpose that I didn't even need to know about ahead of time. And you just had so much trust in that. And I, I watched that and I really appreciated it. Trust, yeah. trust Thank in you. the process, you know? Well, I, I actually, my mom, my mom uh, loves to remind me of something that I've said to her many times over the years and that she's heard me say to students is you either trust or you don't. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's really as simple as that. <laughs> and that if you just kind of take that as a as a little, you know, dose of medicine and let that little Cohen or mantra work on you, you either trust or you don't. It, it you will you will learn a lot from just that. And in that process, a lot I see this thread and I didn't even realize it or mean to. It was just people that I wanted to hear their stories. But a lot of the people that I've had on the podcast were at a point massage therapist. But that was just yeah. a that was just a step. Like I started noticing that. I was like, huh, this is an interesting theme going on here with the people that I want to interview. They have pivoted. They have expanded. And so you did it really interesting because energy healing training came first and then into body work, right? Not much time difference. Um, but we had started kind of working together where you were teaching me energy work, Reiki, other healing modalities. And there was one day that I remember I was laying on your table receiving from you. 
and I was <laughs> probably just running off at the mouth complaining about my current job. And this might sound like I'm contradicting what I said a while ago, but it's not like I was ready to leave my job. It was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I'm not very happy with my job. What am I supposed to do in my life? It's not very meaningful, not very fulfilling. And you said, why don't you go to massage school? (laughs) And that was that. It's not that I, it probably had you not said that, then I wouldn't have quit my job. You know, so I'm not blaming you or giving you credit for (laughs) any kind of irresponsibility of quitting my job or trying to promote that. But that was one of those moments of knowing that, that God was using you to speak into me about the next thing I was supposed to do in my life. And so that is the light bulb went off when you said that, that made perfect sense. And I think the next day I put in my two week notice and started researching massage schools and started massage school, you know, in a couple months after that and went along alongside massage school, continued working with you in the energy work world. And then that launched a six year career in massage and body work, which up until that point was the most fulfilling and, you know, financially stable job that I had ever had, actually, working at different spas, as well as eventually uh, having my own body work and, and healing business with a lot of clients that I had uh, that came to me regularly, until eventually that also, yeah, like you said, graduated into something else, um, because I always knew that, like, what I'm doing right now is what I've actually been shaped and molded and called to do. Uh, but the body work was a fulfilling something to do in the meantime before all the pieces came together like they have now. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know this, ask any full-time massage therapist, none of them wants to be doing it for much more than maybe 10 years. <laughs> so I always had it in my mind as like a, a stepping stone for sure. But I, I very much enjoyed it, you know, while, while I was doing it for about six years. And so now with all the writing that you've done and how you're sharing with your teaching, and I'm just so excited to check out the spoken word um, music videos, like you've got, you've got some really cool stuff going on. So I would love for you to tell people if someone is, is intrigued <laughs> with the Kaliana field, <laughs> If they're being drawn to it, what is the first step? Like, what's the best way for them to start to get to know more about what you teach and what you're all about? I would suggest that they reach out to me directly via email or Facebook, Kemper Kaliana on Facebook or the Kaliana Center of Consciousness business page on Facebook or Center at gmail.com and just let me know that you heard this interview with Evangeline and are interested and kind of maybe what avenue you're interested in knowing more about because as you said I do have a lot of things that I can offer including you know distance sessions including group sessions including zoom calls including retreats including uh, three published books that I've done, including, like you said, this uh, musical album that I'm collaborating with a friend of mine out here that took some of my already recorded talks 
and uh, guided meditations and put them to really cool music. So we're getting ready to release actually this week our first EP and there's like collection of five or six songs. So that could be something that they would be interested in hearing. Um, I also have an online yoga course and an online meditation course. So it would take too long right now really to go through the different prices and all of that. But there's yoga, there's meditation, there's this music. I have videos for sale that can come either on a USB drive or on an actual DVD or through online streaming format. Um, I also have, uh, like I said, three published books. One of them is about my relationship with my wife. One of them is basically the textbook of what I teach. And one of them is more of a memoir about my spiritual journey, some of the things that we've talked about today. And I can also send like little samples of any of that that someone's interested in. They want a little sample of a yoga class, a little sample of a guided meditation, a little sample of one of my books, a little sample of music, and then see, you know, how they want to work with me. Again, they can work with me live through Zoom calls. Um, they can come on retreat in Creston if they want to fly out to Colorado and wear a mask on an airplane, that would be fine too. <laughs> um, or how, there's just many different ways, depending on if you like to read or if you want to watch things on video or if you like music or if you want to try my style of yoga. So I just say reach out to me and I can send little free samples of, of any of that for you purchase. Um, and, and I am, you know, a real person on the other end of the email. So you can ask questions and we can, you know, connect that way with a little consultation before I just, you know, go charging you money for things. Because that's another thing. Things do cost things. And while money is still relevant in our world, it's an exchange. It's an energetic exchange. But this true deep spiritual work was never supposed to be done for money. And money should never be an obstacle to really receiving it if you're supposed to work with me. So it's better just to connect with me and, and we can go from there. But reach out through Facebook or email and the Facebook page and the email that I already gave or if you want to put that contact info in the podcast yes. comment section. Or It'll all be in the show notes, like all the links. Yes. Yeah. So just reach out and let me know what you're interested in and we can go from there. And that's totally why I love to do this podcast is I like to put the spotlight on people who are being of service in a way that is helping our world. And we all gravitate to who we need to lift us up and give us that support for our next step. So yeah, yeah you've given plenty of ways and opportunities. If somebody's feeling really resonant with your message, this is what I love to do. I like to promote the work of people that I love and I dearly love you. I dearly love you too. I, I mean that and I thank you so very much. And I've thought of like 10,000 other podcasts I want to do with you. Like while we were doing this, I, I yeah, mean, well, let's, let's do it. <laughs> like <laughs> I want to do one like just on relationships and, you know, yeah. another one could be a uh, hope and encouragement for our global situation and kind of like a zoomed out perspective on that. And in closing, Kemper, would you like to give any words of wisdom or, or encouragement for people who are trying to navigate through the chaos and the uncertainty and 
lots and lots of information coming at us, very conflicting information. Yeah. What what yeah. little ray of hope can you give about that? I think what I'm going to say might turn some light bulbs on for some people, or it might sound a little out of reach. And if it turns on a light bulb for you, great. If it seems a little out of reach, then that might be the point where we can work together or where I can help you understand what I'm saying better. Probably the key or the number one truth or principle for anyone to really understand that I teach for you to see is that everything is arising in your awareness only. It's actually arising in your awareness. There is actually nothing against you. There is nothing that can harm you. And I know that doesn't sit well with all that's going on where it seems like so many people are being abused and harmed. And all of that, of course, is to be taken into consideration. So this is not to turn a blind eye uh, and not be compassionate for what's happening. And I know also that sometimes when I'm saying these things, it can trigger a little bit of revolt or argument. Uh, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about this? So that's where what I teach is not typical, not your average normal kind of, you know, spiritual new age stuff. Uh, but to see that you are the author of your reality. And everything that's arising in it is actually for you, for you in one way or another, and actually not against you at all. But that requires work, that requires finesse, that requires massaging, no pun intended, uh, all of the stuck places free so that you can really truly see that and have life and have the world work for you in an even deeper way. I think that's the ray of hope that I would give, uh, and it, it might not be the one that a lot of people would expect. What a lot of people would expect might be everything's going to work out. We're going to be just fine. The Vedas say that after the Kali Yuga, then the Satya Yuga comes back, or in the Book of Revelation, we're at the end times and the thousand-year reign of Christ consciousness is coming. That's all true, too. So there's a ray of hope there as well, but mostly the ray of hope is that everything is arising for you and not against you, but the work and what I teach is how to see that truly and directly for yourself and not just take my word for it and blindly believe it. <laughs> that is some good medicine right there. Yes, <laughs> I think that is much needed. And a good place for us to say to be continued forever. I want to have you back yes. on like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me know. I'm available. And and it always does end up that it's like we've been to be continued. All of our conversations and phone calls and text messaging and emails since 2012 has been to be continued forever and ever and ever. And it's a good thing that we can continue traveling as souls in this soul pod through all the lifetimes together as well. So it's an honor to have met back up with you in this lifetime for such a time as this as well. 
Oh, I'm, I'm so grateful. And thank you for sharing this little bit of sacred space with me that people can join us in whenever they want. And it's like, we just created a little, a little sacred space that somebody can just get into with us. And I really love that. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Same. All right. Well, we will talk again soon. Thank you, Kemper. All right. Until next time. You guys go check him out. And hey, what is your website? I want to say that one more time. What is the website? Yeah, I don't think I gave that. That's kalianacenter.com. Kalianacenter.com. And it'll all be in the show notes. (laughs) Yep. Bye. All right. Bye.